Welcome to Awaken to Grace. I'm Chad Roberts, and today I'm so excited to share with you the incredible meaning behind the universal and very biblical word, hallelujah. You know, so often we use this expression in worship services or when someone is preaching or even just when we're reading our own Bibles and we feel the Holy Spirit stirring within us. Well, today I want to dive deep into the meaning behind the word hallelujah, both the Old Testament as well as the New Testament. And not only are we going to go back to see the root of this word and the meaning behind it. But friends, we're going to go far into the future, into Revelation 19, and we're going to see how at the marriage supper of the Lamb, the word hallelujah is going to be a great expression on our lips. Well, I hope that you enjoy diving deep into the scriptures with me today as we study in this uh, short series called Church Words, the Language of Heaven. Today's topic is hallelujah. So last week we talked about the word amen. What does the word amen mean? Well, it simply means, may it be so, let it be so. So be it is what it means. We talked about how the Bible says that Jesus is our yes and amen. Jesus is God's yes. He is the certainty to every promise of God. And he is our amen. In other words, all of God's promises that are certain. Jesus is the amen to it. He is the so be it. In other words, let it be accomplished in my life. Let, it, let the promises of God be fulfilled in my life. That's what Jesus is. We said 77 times in the Bible the word amen is recorded. It began in the book of Numbers and it ends in the book of Revelation. And it is the very last word of the entire Bible. What a special thing. And so there's a reason why when you and I hear truth, if that's a special song that stirs our spirit and it has the Word of God in it, if it's the Word of God being preached, if it's a promise that we read out of the Scripture, when you and I hear truth, there is something inside us, and it's the Spirit of God, there is something inside us that wants, that desires to affirm that truth. And so the people of God often say, Amen. Or we might say today's word, hallelujah. What a special word. Like the word amen, the word hallelujah is universal. You go to any country on the earth, you go to any language in the earth today, and if you say the word hallelujah, they know exactly what you're saying. It's a special word. It's a universal word. Every month I do crusades in Pakistan through my phone with a team that is there. And there's only two things I can say that they understand. Amin and hallelujah. And I can understand them when they say hallelujah. They can understand me. I was one time in the country of Colombia. I learned quickly to say Colombia. I would say Colombia and they go, no, 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 Colombia. <laughs> 
And I was deep in the mountains of Colombia. And if you know much about Colombia and South America, what are they known for? The guerrillas, right? That revolutionary party that bombs things and kidnaps people. They put me in the back of a car and drove me deep into the mountains where there were many known guerrillas. And the church that I preached at, way up in the mountains of Colombia and South America, the church was pastored by a young man who was just a bit older than me at that time, who was a former guerrilla who had been saved by the gospel of Jesus Christ. I couldn't communicate with him, and he couldn't communicate with me. But the Spirit of God inside myself and inside him, oh, let me tell you, the Spirit of God was communicating. And we would hug one another and say, hallelujah. And he understood, and I understood. Amen. He understood, and I understood. And we worshiped the Lord together in his language, in my language, in his culture, in my culture. And what a beautiful thing. What do you think heaven is going to be when all cultures and all languages of all generations are around the throne of God? What a special thing. That's going to be. Amen. So the word hallelujah, we're going to be in Psalms 113 today. We're going to take quite a journey through some scriptures. And typically I'll preach expositionally, which means I'm just in one scripture. We'll break that down. Today's a bit more topical. We're actually going to go in Psalms and then we're going to end. We're going to finish today in Revelation. But I want to tie it all together. Just think of threading. We're going, to, we're going to use the word hallelujah as a thread through the scriptures. And we're just going to thread it all together. And we're going to bring it all together. I think, I think the Lord's going to help us today. The 9 a.m. was such a special, special service today. <clears throat> Psalms chapter 113. Now, this is a collection of six special psalms. And I'll explain that in just a moment. But Psalms chapter 113, these are called, Psalms 113 through 118, these are called the Hallel or the Hallelujah Egypt Deliverance Psalms. The Egyptian Deliverance Psalms. These are psalms that commemorate the Exodus. God delivering his people out of Egypt. Now notice the first verse, it says, praise the Lord. Now let's learn a few things this morning because I think the more understanding, the more context we have, the more background that we have of the scriptures, the deeper we can appreciate them. And the way that I love to teach the Bible is in a way that perhaps you'll never see this certain scripture again. You'll never look at it with the same lens again or the same perspective again. And so following what I love, how I love to teach like that, let's just dive in for a moment and let's understand a little bit about these first three verses. Now you have to understand the Psalms is actual Hebrew poetry. Remember that the original language of the Bible, the original language of the Old Testament is Hebrew. The original language of the New Testament is Greek. That's very important to understand. Because there are things that do not, you, you don't understand in our 
English language today without going back and understanding a little bit about the, about the original language with which it's written. So if you were to read Psalm 113 in Hebrew, the first line in our English Bible says, praise the Lord. But you know what it says in Hebrew? Hallelujah. Because hallelujah is originally a Hebrew word. It's been transliterated into every other language, but it is a Hebrew word. It first says hallel and then yah. It is two words put together in the Hebrew. The word hallel is a verb and that means to praise. Hallel, to praise. Yah is where we get, it's, it's that root for Yahweh, for Jehovah. It is the Lord Almighty. And when you put it together, it means hallelujah. And that means praise the Lord. Now there's, I think we're going to go deep into the text today to understand what it means when you and I say today, hallelujah. Yes, we're saying praise the Lord, but I want to show you why we are praising the Lord. So notice what verse 1 says. Praise the Lord, which would read hallelujah in the Hebrew. Praise, O saints of the Lord. It's saying hallel, O saints of the Lord. Praise, this is verb, this is action. And then it says Praise the name of the Lord. Now, it's different in our English. If, if, if you were an English teacher, it, you may say, well, that sounds redundant, right? The Lord's allowed me to write a couple of books, and I'm working on a couple of things today. And I remember the, uh, I, would, uh, I, I turned in that manuscript to an editor, and I'd never seen so much red ink in all my life. It was awful. And, and I tell people now, the first book I wrote, Calling on the Name of the Lord, it was never professionally edited. Well, we fixed that. It just literally got professionally edited a couple of weeks ago. I've added about 10,000 new words to that book, a couple more chapters, an epilogue, and we're going to redo it. And, and now I tell people, if you get that first book, it's a lot of hope. It's just a lot of misspelled hope. Right? And uh, it's actually kind of fun. You can find all the mistakes. But that, that's all being fixed now. But one of, the, one of my big problems when I write is redundancy. Right? Say the same thing over and over. Use the same words over and over. Well, friends, that's not the case here. God doesn't need an editor. There is a reason that it is repetitive. It's not redundancy as you and I would have in our English language. It is repetitive. And in the Hebrew language, which remember, this is Hebrew poetry. This is Hebrew. that They are lyrics. They are songs. They are melodies. And the reason why it is repetitive is because in the Hebrew language, repetitive meant emphasis. The way you and I would use exclamation points to emphasize a point. And what God is doing right here is he is emphasizing the importance, the command of praising God among his people. So I want you to understand, number one, if you're taking notes, number one, notice that it is repetitive. It's not redundant in the way you and I can be redundant in our English language, but it is repetitive for emphasis sake. Number two, I want you to note this. It is written in the imperative mood. Now, this is important. 
I, I, I didn't do too well in grammar in school. Perhaps you're an English teacher here today, and I apologize because I, I didn't do well. But I do know what imperative means. Do you know what that is? It's written as a command. Now this is important. Because what you and I must understand when it comes to our hallelujah to the Lord. When it comes to us worshiping, praising God. Do you realize it is not a suggestion for us? I need you to get with me right now. I need you to understand. You listening right now? You're a little bit quiet. Okay, here we go. It is not a suggestion. And why is it written in the imperative command? I'll tell you from my own experience. There are days I don't feel like praising the Lord. There are days I'm overwhelmed with various circumstances. There are days that I feel lost in blindness. And there are some days that I have to remember, despite my circumstance, despite what I'm facing, despite how I am feeling, the name of the Lord is worthy to be praised. Do you understand? Yesterday, I had a good day yesterday, really good day, but I was here by myself and, you know, I'm you know, I'm going from my office into the lobby, and I bump into some, I always bump into something, right? I'm like one of those uh, 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 what a, uh, Roomba vacuum cleaners. I just bump, and I rescan, and I go a different way, right? That's what it feels like. But, you know, I, I, and I wasn't agitated, but, but I, just yesterday, I bumped into something, and, and I remember <laughs> I was working on something, and I said, Lord, you know, this would be a lot easier with new eyes. But I stopped for a moment. How many of you know, God has new eyes to give me, amen? He can more than do it, hallelujah. But I stopped in that moment and I said, but God, whether I have eyes or whether I don't, you're worthy right now to be praised. Hallelujah. I worship you. I did it right there in the lobby. There wasn't any worship music going on. There wasn't anybody here. But God, you're worthy. In the midst of my suffering, you're worthy to be praised. It's a command because sometimes we need to be commanded to worship the Lord. Let me tell you, will God comfort us? Yes. He's the God of all comfort, right? But God will not coddle us. My children, Sadie, Sadie is so good at knowing what is a fake cry and a real cry. I still struggle with it. You know, I hear them cry and she's like, oh, no, 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 that's a fake cry. Are you sure? Yeah, yeah, that's fake. Or, Chad, go, they're, they're crying. <laughs> uh, I, I get it right about 50-50. But there are times that my children get hurt or something happens where they get their little feelings, you know, whatever. Something happens that I need to comfort them as a father. And I enjoy those moments. But there are also other times that I don't need to coddle them. Anybody with me right now? I need to say, get over it. You're just fine. Dry it up. Quit crying. Walk it off. Shake it off. You're fine. And how many of you know there are times in our life that God... Does not coddle us. He says, no, you need to worship me despite what you're facing. 
You need to worship me in the midst of what you're going through. And I so much appreciate this command that God is worthy to be praised. Verse 3, from the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is worthy to be praised. Amen. He ought to be praised. I needed this. When I first lost eyesight, there were many days that I struggled fiercely. There were many days I didn't want to get up out of bed. Many days I didn't want to come to work. You know, the, the, the greatest thing that surprised me going completely blind is how easily I could flip my days and nights. I still have to watch that. I could sit down at 1 o'clock in the day and feel completely fine, but just sitting down and being still, I could fall asleep because all I see is darkness. It didn't matter to me if it is 1 o'clock in the day or 11 o'clock at night. It's dark. It doesn't matter. And so there are times that I can just easily fall asleep. And if I'm not careful, I'll switch my days and nights if, if I don't watch that. And there were many days I would just rather sleep all day. There were many days I didn't want to get up out of bed. There were quite a few months that I didn't even want to go out to eat. I didn't want to go anywhere. In February, I'd only been blind, completely blind, for a couple of months and maybe four months or something like that. And Sadie and I were invited to a very nice dinner, a pastor's event, uh, along with Glenn and Ashley at the Carnegie in uh, Johnson City. You know, that's, that's a fancy hotel, I guess. I never went there, so I guess it was fancy. <laughs> and I remember I went to the bathroom, and, I, and I'm just new to being blind and and I went to the restroom and I couldn't find my way out. It took me forever to even find the door. And I didn't want to go anywhere. I didn't want to be around people. I didn't want to come and, and struggle through things. And I definitely didn't want to go out to eat. And I struggled so hard. But I knew in my heart, I understand this imperative. It is a command. That we ought to praise the Lord. And friends, I'm telling you, there were many days that this pulled me up out of despair. And I think that's why God makes it a command. Because as much as God loves us, as a matter of fact, let's say it this way. It is because God loves us, he is not going to let us sit in despair. Amen. And he has given us this great command. Worship the Lord. Praise the Lord. Put your eyes on the Lord so that times you feel overwhelmed, times that you feel troubled, times that you feel despair, it's going to pull you up out of that. And I think that's the exact reason why God makes it a command to praise the Lord. Amen. <laughs> so verse 1, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallel, praise, O servants of the Lord. What a command. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Verse 2. And verse 3. From the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. 
Now, there's another way this is written. Not only is it repetitive, and that's important because we need to see the emphasis on praising the Lord. Not only is it repetitive, but I also want you to note, not only is it a command, is it in the imperative mood, which means it's not suggested, it's not based on how you feel, it's not if you feel like worshiping the Lord. No, it's commanded to do so. It's so you don't stay in despair, so I don't stay in despair. But then I want you to note this. It's also written in the plural form. Now, why is that? Because not only will Satan want you to sit in despair. And let me tell you, one of his greatest weapons, one of his choice weapons against Christians is isolation. Satan loves isolation. If he can get you isolated, he can, listen, he'll come against you. He'll bombard you with spiritual warfare. Isolation is one of his choice weapons. And God says, praising him is not a suggestion. Notice it says, from the rising of the sun to its setting. Notice it doesn't say, on cloudless days. (laughs) Notice it doesn't say, on warm, spring, sunny days. It doesn't say on days it's not raining or days it's not cold or days it's not hard. No, it makes no stipulation from the rising of the sun to its setting. No matter what kind of day you're having, no matter what kind of season you're in, today you may be in a winter season in your marriage, you may be in a winter season in your soul, you may be in a winter season in your spiritual walk, but let me tell you, no matter what you're facing, no matter how hard it is, no matter what the trial may be, God is worthy of praise out of your life, and no circumstance changes that. And he says, from the rising of the sun to its setting. Why? So we don't stay in despair, but listen to this. So we don't stay in isolation. He writes this in the plural form. Now, it's interesting. And I'm going to ask the Lord to help me not to get political right now because I have no desire to be political with you. But it's interesting right now, the battle that many of our brothers and sisters are facing across the country where churches are not allowed to open. Let me be careful here. When we closed here, we did it because we felt like that was what the Lord would have us do at that time. The way I feel now, the way our leadership feels now, is unless of a different circumstance, I'm not saying this as a complete blanketed statement, but unless something drastic changes, we don't feel that the Lord's going to have us close again. You know why? Because it is that important for believers to gather. And I am shocked, at least in my lifetime, perhaps throughout all of American history, but certainly within my lifetime, this is the first time that the government has ever told churches that you cannot open. And what's even more scary with our brothers and sisters, particularly in California, it is not the governor, it's not the mayor, although they throw fuel to the fire, but it's the health department. It's unelected officials who are telling churches you're not allowed to open. Friends, this is a very scary situation for churches. 
Not only should we be concerned about people's physical health, and I am. I don't know if you know this, but there are many in our church that I've told stay home. They battle emphysema. They battle COPD. They battle uh, other chronic situations, autoimmune diseases and other things like that, that. That I would rather them not come right now at this very moment. Pastor Glenn and I just did a live video on Facebook while the first song was going. Just saying, if you are part of our church and you're home right now and you're choosing to stay home, I want you to know that I love you. I'm thinking about you today. I want to know how to pray for you. I'm not upset if somebody chooses to stay home. But listen, if you're healthy, if you are one of these people, you're running all over town. <laughs> now, now, now help me preach right now right if you're going all over town we need to be in church because let me say it's not just our physical health that is of concern it is also our spiritual health it's people's emotional well-being have you seen the statistics on suicide during this pandemic on depression during this pandemic? And what happens? What happens to your cell phone if you don't charge it up? It's going to die. You have to keep your phone charged. My friends, this is written in the plural form. This is written in a congregational setting. Because do you know what happens when you and I have had hard days and hard weeks and hard months and we gather in this place as the people of God and we begin to lift a hallelujah up to the Lord? It's like our soul is getting recharged. Amen? And we need that charge. It is essential, and it is important. So without getting, I don't want to step into the politics of it all. I'll just say it is important that the people of God gather. And I commend you for being here today. Now, not only is it written in a repetitive way for emphasis, not only is it written... In the imperative mode, which is a command so that we don't sit in despair, it's written in a plural form, which says to me, congregation, which says to me, as a church, we ought to be lifting our hallelujah to the Lord. Now, let's understand this. I'm going to shift gears just a little bit, but follow me on this. Now, these psalms were vastly important to Jewish life. These are called the Egyptian Deliverance Psalms. It begins with chapter 113 and chapter 114 and goes all the way to chapter 118. Do you, so, so first let's understand this. When was Passover inaugurated? Do you remember that? It was at the exodus of the Jews, of the Israelites out of Egypt. You remember they went down to Egypt with Jacob and his sons to be with Joseph. Many generations later, the Bible says that the Pharaoh then did not know Joseph. And God so blessed the Hebrews, they began to outnumber the Egyptians. And so the Pharaoh said, what are we going to do if they continue to outnumber us? 
They will overpower us. And so he devised a plan to enslave the Jews. And so for 400 years, the Israelites served as slaves to the Egyptian people. Well, after 400 years, God raised up a man named Moses to free Egypt. And if you have ever read all that transpired, the drama, those very dramatic ten plagues, right? To cause Pharaoh to let Israel, Israel go. The last plague was the death angel. And you remember what the Israelites were commanded to do. If they put the blood over the doorpost of their home, what did the death angel do? The death angel passed over. And I'm going to show you in a minute how the second death will pass over us. Will not even recognize us. Just as the death angel did not recognize the Israelites on that fateful night. And so Pharaoh says, I will let the Israelites go. And they, exodus, they exit out of Egypt, which is where we get the book Exodus in the Old Testament. <coughs> And from then on, the Jews have always observed Passover. In the Gospels, when Jesus observed Passover, right before he was crucified, you remember there he instituted the Last Supper, the Lord's Supper, what today we call communion. The Gospels say that after, he, he, after they observed Passover, they sang a hymn. Do you know what most likely they sang? So Jews all through these centuries, would sing Psalms 113, Psalms 114 before the Passover meal. Then they would sing Psalms 115 to 18 after the Passover meal. Most likely, Christ sang these Psalms. How special it is to go back and read them, thinking of Christ at the Last Supper, singing these songs with His disciples. What a special thing. And so when the Jews would look back, now follow me, when they would look back at their redemption, which was Passover, the Jews would look forward to Messiah coming. Friends, Messiah did come. And when did Christ die on the cross? Do you remember? At the exact moment of Passover. Do you remember how John the Baptist introduced Jesus? John the Baptist said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Every Jewish boy and man, their ears perked when John said that. Those Jewish boys knew what it was to go and find the spotless Lamb, carry it with their fathers to Jerusalem, and make atonement for their family. They all knew what that meant. And when John said, behold, the Lamb of God, they knew exactly what John was saying. He is the sacrifice for sin. He's the atonement for sin. He is the spotless, perfect Lamb of God. And when was the Lamb slain upon that cross? At the precise hour, at the precise moment of Passover, when atonement, at, on the day of atonement, on that, on that exact time when they would have been making sacrifice, when the high priest was making sacrifice. Now we fast forward. Now, 
Go with me for a moment. Let's go to the book of Revelation because I want to show you this is where much of Jewish life and much of Christianity intersect. In Revelation chapters 4 and 5, particularly 5, we see the people of God around the throne of God. In my view, this is after the rapture. This is the church around the throne of God. This is actually the Bema judgment seat of Christ. And all of the church is there. From the day of Pentecost to the rapture of the church. The entire church of Jesus Christ is here. And John says it's a number that could not be numbered around the throne of God. And what John saw in the midst of this number. He calls it the 24 elders. And, 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 and I believe that represents the church of Jesus Christ. I believe it's us. You and I will be there on that day Seeing, experiencing, witnessing everything that John recorded. And what does he see in the midst of the throne? He sees the Lamb of God as slain. He sees Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. Now here's what I want to show you. Why is God worthy of our hallelujah? Why do these Psalms 113 to 118, why do they matter to us? Why is God so worthy of the praise in our life? Because just as the Jews looked back to Passover at their redemption, just as they looked forward to Messiah coming, we do very similar. We look back to Calvary where the Lamb of God was slain on our behalf. And we look forward to the millennial kingdom when God sets up his kingdom on the earth. Friends, that is our final, final deliverance. So where are we? What's what's happening on the earth at this time? That's Revelation 5. Now go to Revelation 19 and let me show you. What has transpired between Revelation 5 and Revelation 19 is the great seven-year tribulation period. And watch what John says. This is at the end of the tribulation. And notice what John says. Revelation chapter 19 verse 1. John heard a loud voice. In the Greek, that word loud voice is where we get our English word, megaphone. (laughs) And he heard this loud voice coming from the people of God, from the angels of God. Now, listen, try to get this, try to get this scene in your head. In John, in, in Revelation 5, John says there's so many angels present, he calls them maraud upon maraud. Do you know what that means? In the Greek language, maraud is the highest numeric value. You cannot get higher in number in the Greek language. And the number is 10,000. And in that ancient day, that's as high of a numeric value as you could possibly count. And John says that there is maraud upon maraud. What he's saying is it is a number that is so high. It's a number that is so great that it cannot even be calculated. It cannot even be counted. It is 10,000 upon 10,000. In other words, you can't even 
calculated. In that language, that's what he's saying. And now here are the angels and here are all of the people of God. And we have witnessed what God is doing in the tribulation. We know, we know that the time has come. We know what's happened with the great city Babylon that is to come. We know about the battle of Armageddon that is to come. And the people of God well know what's going on. And when that time comes, that's Revelation chapter 19, which happens to be my favorite chapter of the Bible at the moment. And when that time comes, John says it is the marriage supper of what? Of the Lamb. Do you see the thread? Passover. The lamb is slain. The blood is on the doorpost. And the death angel passes over the people of God. At Calvary, the lamb of God is slain on our behalf. His blood is applied to our life. And the Bible says in the last chapters of Revelation that one day... People, lost people will suffer a second death. But you know what it says in Revelation 2? That the people of God will not be harmed by the second death. You know what it literally means? That word harmed in the Greek literally means not recognized. It will pass over us. It will not even recognize us because of the blood of the Lamb. And Revelation chapter 19, just as we look back at Calvary and we look forward to the marriage supper of the Lamb, we look forward to the glorious millennial kingdom. Friends, on that day, do you know what you find in Revelation chapter 19? Now say amen if you're with me. Do you know what we find? Four times. The word hallelujah is only mentioned four times in the entire New Testament. And guess where it is? All four in chapter 19. All four right here. It's written over 40 times in the Old Testament and only four times in the New Testament. And it's all in chapter 19 as we are about to be with Christ in the great marriage supper of the Lamb. Friends, is your name in the Lamb's book of life? Will you join us on that great marriage supper of the Lamb? And that day, on that day, John says, he heard voices like the roar of many waters, like mighty peals of thunder. Friends, we're going to be there. We are in this scene. This is our future. And you know what? We shout with all of our might. We will shout hallelujah. What a glorious day that will be. And John describes it all to us. If that's the case, <laughs> then how much more should we say hallelujah today? If we can look back to Calvary and we can look forward to the coming kingdom in the middle, friends, we can praise the Lord. You can take whatever circumstance you face. You can take whatever trial you're in. You can take whatever grief you're in. You can take whatever sorrow you're in. And by faith, you can say today, hallelujah to the Lord. Even in the midst of it, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. 
Is your life a praise unto God? I know you have challenges. I know you have dark days. I know you have questions. I know you have doubts and I know you have fears. But do you rise above it all and still lift a hallelujah to the Lord? Perhaps today you're in a circumstance that you don't see any way out. Perhaps you don't know how the story is going to end. Perhaps you don't even know if God's going to deliver you. Well, let me tell you, my friend. Not later. Now, God wants to hear your hallelujah. Not later. You say, Chad, I don't even know if God's going to work it out. Listen, the three Hebrew children, before they faced that fiery furnace, they told King Nebuchadnezzar, Oh, King, God is more than able to deliver us. But if not, but if not, you may say, Chad, I don't know if God's going to work things out the way I want. I don't know if, I, I don't know. Friends, that don't matter. God deserves your hallelujah now not later in the midst of it not after you've come through it and you know what happens see again this is why it's a command because the more you exercise that the more you see no God is at work in your life he is working things out Romans 8 28 I can tell you child of God God is going to work all things together for your good But see, what God wants right now is a hallelujah in the midst of the fire. Not after you've come through it. One day you and I will actually view. We will actually see, according to the Bible, the armies of the world gather for the great battle of Armageddon. And we will see Jesus Christ, chapter 19. We'll see him come and set up his kingdom on this earth. Read it for yourself, chapter 19. And do you know what will be our expression? Four times it's recorded. Hallelujah. I think if we could say it then, then we can say it now. And trust that just as God's going to deliver then, He's going to deliver us today. So whatever you're facing today, raise a hallelujah to the Lord. Your head's bowed, your eyes closed. What do you need from God? Well, let me tell you what He wants from you. Praise. Praise. Hallel. Action. It's a verb. Hallel. Praise. Will you praise him right now? In whatever you're facing. Will you praise him right now? Even though it may be difficult. Praise him now. So Father, we thank you for these words out of the Bible. From the rising of the sun to its setting your name should be praised 
Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Help your people today, Lord. Perhaps you're here today and you say, Chad, I need God's strength today. I need God's help today. You're welcome to slip out of your seat and come to this altar. You can sit. You can kneel. You can stand. Whatever you need. People will pray with you. Just slip out of your seat if you need strength from the Lord today. If you need guidance from the Lord today. But listen, don't just bring your need. And that's okay. Bring that. Because Jesus says, cast your cares upon me. He cares for you. But don't just bring your need. Bring a hallelujah with it. Bring a praise with it. And offer that to the Lord. So God, today we offer our hallelujah to you. We say, as they say in Revelation 19, as we shall say in Revelation 19, amen and hallelujah for the Lord God almighty reigns Revelation 19 7 and the bride of Christ has adorned herself made herself ready for the marriage supper of the lamb has come oh what a future (laughs) what a future what a glorious hope But until you deliver us, Lord, from this present evil age, while we walk through this world of woe, we utter our amen to the glory of God, 2 Corinthians 1.20. We shout our hallelujah to the Lord, Psalms 113.1. And we acknowledge you as worthy, God circumstances of our life will come and go difficulties will come and go heartaches will come and go people will come and go but Jesus Christ is the same yesterday today and forever Hebrews 13 you are the same God you never change and because of that Lord we can lift our hallelujah above all the trouble above all the pain, above all the suffering. We can rise above all of that where you sit on your glorious throne, unchanged, unhindered, sovereign. And we can say, hallelujah, praise the Lord. I love you today, Lord. And I thank you that in my hardest moments, you've been there with me. And in my most difficult of days, you have not coddled me, but you have commanded me. Chad, worship, praise. I thank you for it, God. Grow my faith. Grow me into spiritual manhood and maturity. And teach me, God, to offer my hallelujah 
with joy and sincerity. Help your people. I pray a special blessing on every family today. Every family that is here, every family that's watching or listening online, we speak a blessing over them, God. Thank you for your goodness. For surely, goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our life. Hallelujah. In Jesus' most wonderful name, amen. Amen.